Well, hello, and welcome to SEO Shorts, a private podcast by the very same co-hosts of the Simple and Smart SEO Show, Brittany and Crystal. Here, you can experience way more actionable episodes. Think of them as mini SEO masterminds. Each week, we'll be walking you through a different task that supports your SEO strategy. You'll learn exactly how to take simple and smart action with step-by-step walkthroughs and quick explanations of how your effort will impact your business's searchability. And now it's time for this week's SEO short. Talk to us about the camera that you have and then like what other camera recommendations you might have for those of us who aren't willing to drop like thousands of dollars. Okay. So there's when it comes to cameras, there's a bunch of things that you can do to upgrade your image quality. I'm using one of the cameras that my company actually uses for video production. It's called mm-hmm. a Sony FX30. It's a cinema camera, one of their newer ones. Uh, with tax, you can get it for just under two grand, but I don't recommend everybody go that route. There <laughs> are much cheaper options out there. So for all of my clients, if you want to stick in the webcam realm and you don't want to drop too much money, I recommend the Logitech Brio. It's a 4K webcam, can give you a really good image. It's only around $120, $130, something like that. There we go. Um, <laughs> it's got a software so you can tweak the settings. You don't just have to depend on auto, which I don't ever recommend. Anybody depends on auto. And it's, it's just a really good camera. That's my baseline recommendation. If you want to go a little bit fancier, then my next level up would probably be a Sony... ZV-1, which is like, it's a little point and shoot pocket camera, but it punches way above its weight. We'll Mm. say it like that. It shoots 4K, so you could actually use it for creating content as well as using it as a webcam. And it runs about $600. You don't need to buy any separate lenses or anything. It's a point and shoot, so it's all in one. And and it's even got a microphone input for when you're shooting content, which is really good. You always want a camera with a microphone input. Next above that would be the Sony ZV-E10. Um, That's an interchangeable lens camera, so it gives you the potential to upgrade it over time. If you buy it with the kit lens, which for most people is going to be fine, it runs around $700 before tax. And you can also use that as a webcam just by plugging in a USB and it shows up as a webcam in your software. So it's very easy to use, similar to the ZV-1. And those would be my recommendations for like really leveling up your camera image. And and with the ZV-E10, the advantage is you can buy fancier lenses later, which Mm -hmm. will upgrade the camera even more. Love it. Okay. So I have a question. When you said not to use the auto settings. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell us why? And do you have like a just super quick tip on what to do instead? (laughs) Yeah. So the reason I tell people not to do auto when you're setting up your webcam is because you're letting the camera software make all the decisions for you. How bright the image is supposed to be, where it's supposed to be focusing, even the framing of the image. Because like with the Logitech Brio, the software will let you change the frame of the image. So normally it's a super, super wide image like most webcams. But it usually looks a little bit better if you make it punch in a little bit. It's not quite as wide. Maybe you're hiding that laundry that's on the floor in your background. You ain't got to move yep. as much stuff to make it look like you're in like a good setting. There are distinct advantages to this. Like part of camera magic is all the stuff you don't see. Exactly. So when you can pick your frame and make sure that 
people are only seeing the parts of the room that you want them to see <laughs> makes life a lot easier. You would not understand the amount of calls I've been on where people are like, oh, my God, your setup is so fancy. Uh. Uh-huh. And, and behind me, it's like the apocalypse. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see any of this. What yeah, about it looks great? Yeah, it does. We're all around the topic. I'm going to totally take advantage of this podcast, Mike. Can okay. you talk to us about some options there? Yeah, podcast mics. And I actually have to make a video about this. I have to make a series of videos about You can everything. use this. <laughs> so with podcast mics, there's one important word that I want you to look for in the description of the microphone that you use. And that is dynamic mic. Okay, dynamic. And why you want a dynamic mic versus what you more commonly see, which is a condenser mic, is because condenser mics are way more sensitive. So that'd be your blue Yetis, your blue snowballs and a whole bunch of other microphones that are out there. And normally a sensitive microphone is a good thing. But because of the way people are doing podcasts, you really want a dynamic mic because they're less sensitive. They're more directional and you don't have to go padding out your space, doing a whole bunch of soundproofing, hanging up blankets or talking into a pillow, being in a closet, all these types of, you know, DIY tips that you see a lot of you know, people telling you, and there's nothing wrong with doing those things because they can help your sound, but why do them if you don't have to? Right. Mm -hmm. We have a podcast producer friend who helps us with the private podcast. And in one of my conversations with her, she ended up saying, oh yeah, you want a dynamic mic instead of a condenser mic. And I was like, Crystal, we messed up. (laughs) And the thing is blue has, especially since the start of the pandemic, their marketing has been fantastic. Oh, just yeah. brilliant. And, I mean, it works. And so everybody runs to the blue yet. Like they did the right thing. They put it in the hand of tons of YouTubers. Yep. They mm-hmm. promote it on social media. They've got it in Best Buy. So it's easily accessible. Mm-hmm. So their marketing. Yeah, it's fantastic. They did a great brilliant job. Marketing. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. Capitalize on the market. People, they, had a, they filled it. What's the real audio? Like they understood the assignment. <laughs> Exactly. So do you have any recommendations? I think we've heard a couple of recommendations, but I would love if you have any like off the top of your head for dynamic mics. Okay. So if you want a USB dynamic mic, uh, which is probably what most people are going to want to go to, because otherwise you need some additional equipment to get the signal into your computer. I usually recommend... There's this mic by Samson. I don't remember the the model number right now, but it looks like a handheld mic, uh-huh. um, but it's I and it can that. function as a handheld mic. It actually can function as a regular handheld mic, but it also functions as a USB mic and it's less than a hundred dollars. It's I think it's usually on sale for around sixty nine dollars. And it's like the Samson C something. I can't remember the model number, I yeah. think, but I even gifted one of those to a client. Oh, that's so that's cool. That's so nice of you, Alex. Okay. So you know what I'm taking away here? I have that mic, by the way. Um, What is it? I'll get you the link or whatever, because I took Pat Flynn's podcasting course um, Mm -hmm. before I started my first podcast. And so that was the mic that he recommended. And I've got a boom arm and everything. Like this is my downstairs. I have an office upstairs with a really pretty background. But I also have a dog. Why could we get the office with a pretty background? Right? Well, she always does it. She's like, I've got a really lovely office upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll move up there as soon as we're finished with this part. But I used to have that, but the boom arm didn't connect to my desk well. Mm, and it messed yeah. up my desk. And I really didn't understand how to use that. So I went Blue Yeti because it's got this nice little stand, you know, and. Okay. Well, just, there, are, there are other mounting arms options out there. 
that aren't necessarily expensive and will be much better than that mounting arm that probably came with that microphone or in that package you bought. Okay. I probably should check that out, but I love being able to move this up and down the stairs though, from my office. Yeah. Um, That's convenient. So, yeah, (laughs) but thank you. And the other thing I wanted to say is you are just reminding me of why we pay professionals to do things because like you said, you've got a $2,000 camera. So Mm -hmm. I can choose to try and do some stuff myself, but it's like, I don't have a $2,000 camera. And if I wanted to make it look like yours, I would have to start with a $2,000 camera and then try to figure out how to use it and all the other stuff. Okay. Well, let me just stop you real quick. (laughs) The $2,000 camera is not the secret sauce. Okay. The lighting is. If I turned off all the lights in my studio right now, this camera would look like booty. (laughs) and and that's where a lot of people mess up they think i've got to have a great camera i've got to have you know the best equipment that money can buy and make no mistake two thousand dollars sounds expensive to you when it comes to cameras for me it's not this is like very middle of the road a lot of people would consider in you know the film industry or media production would consider the camera that i'm using as a prosumer camera Mm-hmm. even though it is marketed to professionals and a lot of professionals are using it, myself included. But in terms of cost, this is like at the low end of the pool, the shallow end. Cameras can easily get like the big brother of this camera costs between three and four thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. The next step up from that one costs like six thousand dollars. There are cameras that just for the brain of the camera, not even talking about the lens, doesn't even come with a battery. plus, you know what I'm saying? And those are still kind of considered baby cameras by some people. The cameras that they shoot movies on, like literally you can be paying hundreds of thousands of dollars for a camera. Some of the cameras you can't even buy. You can only rent them. Like the companies that make them are like, nah, you can't own this, but you can rent it from us. (laughs) Wow. Now that's a good business You can pretend you have it. (laughs) Okay. So last question for this piece, then, unless B has something else, but if it's not the camera, then what's their lighting secrets? You need more. And what I mean by that, and I made these same mistakes when I first got into videography and creating setups like this, is most people underestimate the amount of light they need to get a good image. So a lot of people are working with their built-in laptop webcam. A lot of people are working with their cell phone. These are really tiny camera sensors, you know, like smaller than a chiclet. So (laughs) my camera sensor is several times that size. Mm -hmm. And my camera sensor still requires a lot of light. So if mine that is, you know, several orders of magnitude bigger than the one that's in your cell phone, that's in your webcam, requires all this light to look good. How much do you think yours needs? A lot. Mm. A lot. And so people will just make common mistakes just because they don't know the simple principles of a good lighting setup. They don't have enough light on them because that's the number one thing. You want to make sure you have enough light on you. And then they'll make mistakes like sitting in front of a window, but with their back to the window. So they look like a shadow or they have the camera on auto and they're someplace where there is enough light, but it's too much light. And because the camera's making its own decisions, they get washed out. You know, the reason why, you know, iPhone videos and cell phone videos that, you know, you shoot outside usually look pretty good is because the sun puts out way more light than these. 
And, you know, that's the easy solution to getting enough light is, you know, be by a window or be outside because sunlight is free. You get plenty of it. Mm -hmm. Um, The only part that sucks about using sunlight is it's inconsistent. Mm -hmm. You got clouds passing by, you got changing weather, you know, time of day. So it's better to have a setup where you control the light and you can make the decision about how much light do I need? What's going to make it look good. And that's also the reason why I say don't work on auto, because even if you have good lights and you're shooting on auto, your camera can still make some wonky decisions. It'll change the exposure, which is, you know, how much light the camera is taking in um, based on how close you are to the lens, how far back you get from the lens. So your camera might do all sorts of crazy things just from you doing your normal human movements. So instead of that, take the guesswork out of it, set your camera at the certain sensitivity that is going to be good for your setup and dial in the light to the appropriate level. I love this mini masterclass in videography. (laughs) Yep. I was totally going into my settings just to see if there was anything I could switch on my camera on my computer, but I'll have to dig into that later. So, but thank you, Alex. That was amazing. That was awesome. All right. You're well on your way to being the answer to even more Googled questions. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Have you noticed some SEO wins since listening to SEO Shorts? We want to know. Email us at hello at simpleandsmartseo.com or share it in the episode conversation thread.